and welcome to this special Celtic View nine in a row podcast brought to you in association with Eden Mill and thanks as always for Eden Mill's support of this podcast and also for Celtic in general and uh, I'm joined by my Celtic View colleague Joe Donnelly via the, the wonders of Zoom as we're recording this podcast with Joe you know the, the dust has settled on nine in a row but it, it still feels just as good it's amazing, isn't it? I think we said so many times throughout last season uh, and on this podcast as well about how good it was to be competing for, for nine in a row given the achievement of, of Jock Steen's team in the 60s and 70s and to have won it under very unusual circumstances, no less deserved, however unusual it's been. Uh, it's been harder, I think, to get your head around because of the circumstances. I think some of the players were saying, you know, because they weren't able to celebrate with the fans. But I suppose that makes this season coming all the more important for them. And obviously, in the last few years, it's become a tradition of producing a special Celtic View, a 100-page special for the Invincible treble, the Double treble, the Treble treble, and now the nine in a row. I'm sure that if things hadn't come to a halt, it would have been the quadruple treble special we would have been talking about. That's, I mean, how amazing is that to to say, um, you know, no, the Invincibles treble was incredible and to win that treble in the fashion that they did. Nobody um, suspected a double treble. And with the, the change of personnel, you know, in, in the last stretch of the treble treble season, you know, all but written off that it was never going to happen. And then it did. And yeah, as you say, League Cup already in the bag, the, the league title well earned and well deserved and, and well appointed to Celtic and a semi-final when and we've spoken so much about how good Celtic were since the turn of the year but they were so good you know they, they were they were demolishing every single team in their path domestically certainly and yeah with all due respect uh, to to Aberdeen and possibly a final there as well I think you're absolutely right I think that um, you don't want to, to sound disappointed when you, when you win a ninth consecutive league title but I think the quadruple was certainly on I think the players will feel that themselves. And again, I think that will galvanise how they're feeling about the coming season to, to push for for the Holy Grail, as it were. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the this special Celtic view, we always, as we do every week, uh, we speak to the manager and obviously speaking to him about nine in a row. And I think he, he acknowledged that obviously there's a lot of pressure at the start of the season on the team a lot of pressure on him because it was his first full season. He'd come in and obviously under those circumstances last season, guided us to the treble treble. But this was him starting afresh, his team, his season. And, you know, in, in, across the board in terms of how we played, the goals we scored, the type of football we were playing, the way we kind of changed it all in January when we came back after the, the break. I mean, he's, he's proud of the achievement and rightly so because he's been absolutely central to it and I don't think, see as a Celtic fan I don't think you could have picked anyone better to lead us to nine and then take us on this journey towards ten. Yeah and it's it's made even better by the fact of course like we've said several times that it was him that started this journey with, with the first three league titles and as a player Neil Lennon came in in 2000 not long after our neighbours across the road had enjoyed a, a long stretch of, of domestic success. Um, so he'll know what it means as a fan, he'll know what it means as a player and as a two-time manager. I mean, he's he's the most uniquely placed person to be leading Celtic 
into this this next chapter. No matter what happens, what we're seeing come May next year, um, I'm hoping that maybe we might even have it wrapped up before then. Who knows? Um, everything to play for this season. But yeah, I mean, Neil Lennon. When we spoke to we spoke to Damien Duff just when he when he was. Um, leaving Celtic as first team coach, obviously gutted to see him go, but he said that Neil Lennon would probably die for this club. And I think that that's understood at every level at Celtic, whether you work for the club, whether you're a fan, or whether you just understand football, that it means everything to him. And that extra passion, the extra drive, I hope will give, will give Celtic the edge this season. And certainly, I wouldn't rather have anyone leading, leading Celtic from the dugout in this season. You know, when we spoke to him and one of the things he did speak about, and we're just going to hear it now, is the two guys that he, and he, he said it throughout the whole season, that he describes as two modern day Celtic greats and Scott Brown and James Forrest. And, and let's hear now what Neil Lennon had to say about these two modern day Celtic greats. You know, we're talking about consistency over almost a decade. You know, playing week in, week out, year in, year out, under immense pressure and thriving in that environment. Um, and I know from my own experiences, you know, what a great place to play and it is, but how the competition is huge and the pressure and expectation on you is huge. And for those two to be in with chance for nine in a row and winning all those titles and, and domestic honours and, and playing at Champions League level, playing at European level, they're modern day greats for me, and um, you know I'm hoping we. I hope to see them soon. I hope to see them back on the pitch real soon. But uh, yeah, the two outstanding, outstanding servants of the club, no question. Of that. I mean, it's it's incredible, Joe. That you know, again, you kind of run out of things to say about Scott Brown and James Forrest. They are chalk and cheese in terms of personalities and and. You know, you would know that, you know, better than most having written James's biography. Scott is just, he's a leader on the park, he's a leader off the park. He's, you know, he's one of, you know, he is a, he is a, a modern day Celtic great. The two of them together to be there for that whole nine in a row and what they've given and continue to give the club it is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean it's it is absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, again, when I when I did write uh, James's Celtic biography with James himself uh, last year, it was interesting when we spoke to the, the format of the book. For anyone who doesn't know, is it's James's story throughout his, his ten years at Celtic, and then at the end of each chapter, it's speaking to peripheral voices, players, managers, and his family, and people that kind of sculpted his career. And speaking to any of the players, past and present, uh, who have been part of part of the changing room throughout uh, the time that, that Scott and James have shared it together. And Scott Brown is the way that he appears on the pitch or he appears on social media. He's just, you know, 24-7, never stops. And that really gives people a buzz. And James Forrest works no less hard. You know, he works his backside off, but naturally, as you said, a lot quieter. But I think that players certainly, the, the impression that I got was that it was good to have that wide spectrum. So you've got a player who might not be as in your face as Scott Brown, um, but understands Celtic. We talk so much about the academy and what it means to be bringing players through. James, of course, an academy graduate. And the bond that he has with, with Neil Lennon, it was Neil Lennon that gave him his debut in May the 1st, 2010. So to have both of those kind of players, you know, the, the really kind of 
energetic, hyperactive Scott Brown, and it's nearly 35 years old. That's amazing, the, the life and energy he brings to his game and to the, the dressing room. And James Forrest, you know, who, who's worked great at training and on the pitch is, is amazing as well, but isn't maybe as in your face, but is equally, you know, a kind of pillar of that dressing room. And yeah, I mean, like, just to take what you said there and what Neil Lennon said, modern day greats of the club to have, to be now spoken in the same sentences as the likes of Jimmy Johnson, Bobby Lennox and Billy McNeil, who were there for the full nine um, back in, in 1974 and in part of the 60s as well. I mean, that that's to be mentioned alongside those players. Yeah, I mean, they are greats. It's as simple as that. And it's, I, I think as well, over the, the kind of lockdown period, I, th- I think what you've seen whenever you've heard from Scott Brown and whether it's been speaking to Celtic TV, whether it's been doing things with some of the sponsors or, or talking to some of the fans, I think you see what he is like as a leader, as a captain, as somebody who is the, the kind of front for the club, who, who leads by example, because I think he just he's completely comfortable in that role, just presents, I think, the very best of of what this club's about. Yeah, and when you were speaking to him yeah, in one of the video chats you did with Scott and he was talking about just dying to get back to training um, and obviously the players are now kind of being phased back into into training and it would have been difficult for the players to be keeping on top of their fitness. I know that the, the backroom staff are giving them, you know, the wide um, breadth of training regimes from home, but Scott is very upfront about his age. You know, he's getting towards the end of his career and it would be... I imagine it would be quite easy to uh, start to dial things back to maybe, you know, he's obviously been doing his coaching badges, but instead what he's telling you over the video is that, no, he needs to work doubly hard to match the kind of younger players and go that one bit further, which again underscores how much of a leader he is. He doesn't want to be seen to be dropping back a gear. He wants to be going up a gear in, in this this last stretch of his career. And I know that we spoke about this in, in the Celtic view and, I know that you brought it up with him as well when you spoke to him in the video chats over the course of lockdown, but that quote which we, we dug up from the, the, the Celtic view a number of years ago when he said that when he was going to be lifting his first title as captain, which was the first of the current run, it was Celtic's turn to go on a wee run. And if this is his measure of a wee run, then yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And hopefully that wee run can extend into next season as well. Because it's funny, like last season uh, when we went for eight, he won the Celtic, uh, the Magnus goal of the season, which I think was a surprise for everyone. It was an absolute belter of a goal. This season, I think, I would guess when the fans were voting, it was a, a pretty unanimous vote in terms of Olivier and Cham's goal against Lazio in Rome that won, won as the game that night. An absolutely incredible night. Um, I think before we, we, we spoke to Olivier, obviously, for the view as well, but before we have a chat about that, uh, let's just have a wee trip down memory lane back to November the 7th, 2019 in the Stadio Olimpico. With just 60 seconds of added time remaining, the ball's knocked across and they've given it away. Good Celtic score in the last minute. Again, Callum McGregor. And Cham! And Cham! He scored! Olivia Cham has created Celtic history! And Celtic have won in Italy for the first time ever! Olivia Cham with a goal! Unbelievable! It's unbelievable! Celtic have won! Incredible scenes from Celtic from Olivia Cham! He is the coolest man in the Stadio Olimpico. He didn't seem to break a sweat, break his stride. 
as he stuck the ball into the net. You can see what it means too. The Celtic fans behind the goal to the Celtic technical area. 2-0 Lennon to us in the press area here. Celtic again capitalising on an error from Lazio the bag goes to Edward cool as you like as well looking to see the pass Olivier Cham takes a touch and puts it by the goalkeeper fantastic from the Frenchman brilliant from Celtic well it's a miracle because Hattie Hoyweed got off his sick bed and raced down the track side along with all the other substitutes Lazio will have no time to get this game underway Celtic lead by two goals to one in Rome and they are about to go top of the table with 10 points. They are going to be heading through to the last 32. As it stands, Olivia and Charm, the hero, but it's been every Celtic player the hero tonight. It's funny, like, Olivia, again, when he spoke to The View, and I remember at the time when he, when he spoke to us after that game, obviously delighted. I mean, he did admit that his first touch wasn't the best, but <laughs> actually it, it ended up being really fortuitous because it gave him the perfect angle to lift the ball over the goalkeeper. But that moment in that game, I mean, that moment was amazing, but I always think it, it was more than just the victory. It was the manner of the victory because we went toe-to-toe with a team that, you know, again, when, when the football stopped, were second in Serie A. And we were more than deserving of both wins at Celtic Park and in Rome. Yeah, and we speak so much about the twelfth man at Celtic Park, and not to take away from from the two one win at Celtic Park, but you could always say that you know we've seen so many big victories, so many upsets, as it were, at Celtic Park. Of course, that that goes away when when you go away from home. Celtic had never recorded a competitive win in Italian soil before that night in November last year, um, and I think it was Ryan Christie that I'd spoken to for the view, and he'd said that. The first quarter of an hour, Lazio seemed really up for it. Of course, they, they scored early on and Celtic weren't sure how to approach the game because it was a completely different game given that they're playing away from home. But then after that, yeah, like you said, the manner of the win, Celtic were in their face right up until um, the last kick of the ball, which was, of course, the the goal which won his, um, the game. Unusual to see Olivier Cham take a bad touch. He'd said himself that... Uh, had he not, did he, had he taken what we'd have considered a normal touch for him, he would have probably struck it low, and then the goalkeeper might have had a better chance of saving it. Um, James Forrest goal, I know that uh, I know that everybody spoke at the time about how good a goal it was. Some really good link-up play between him and Mohamed El Yunus. I was watching it again yesterday for something I was writing for the view, and that was a brilliant goal as well. And it because Olivier's goal was so good, and it was so good to see the fans afterwards. It won as the match. I think that that goal kind of flies under the radar as well. But over the course of it, it's one of one of it's probably one of my favourite memories as a Celtic fan. And it's hard to say that because it wasn't that long ago. But it, it it was amazing. And of course, you and I were there. I noticed when the official Celtic account put it on Twitter, somebody mistook my excited commentary and thought it was Tom Boyd. So that's probably my highlight <laughs> of my time at Celtic in the media team. But it was a it was a magical night, wasn't it? I mean, it's really what I think is really bizarre is whenever I think of you know Neil Lennon's two great European results was Barcelona here at Celtic Park in 2012 and Lazio in Rome. There's other ones, of course, as well. Both both those games fell on November the seventh, which is just yeah. it's just bizarre. I know, I know, really, really weird, and uh, no less dramatic goals to to see with the game as well. Tony Watts, of course, probably fair to say against the run of play <laughs> that evening at Celtic Park. But I mean, 
I'll, don't get me wrong, one each would have been brilliant in Rome. Um, I think Celtic were thoroughly deserving of at least a draw. It would have been a travesty if not. But when the goal went in, naturally to score in the 95th minute to win the game, and you saw what it meant to the fans at the time, certainly we were hysterical in the commentary box and the, the players on the pitch naturally enjoyed it as well. But there was part of me, maybe a day or two later, when you know the kind of dust had settled on the win, I thought, no, I mean, the three points were... Probably the least we deserve because for that last, particular last 20 minutes or so, kept pinning Lazio back. Um, they made a couple of defensive errors. They made a defensive error for the break, which Odson then passes on to Olivier and we get the goal. But that was through Celtic's pressing, the pressure they were putting on them. And they were definitely the better team on the night. I mean, it's interesting, again, when the, obviously the last game we played was at the start of March. We beat St Mirren 5-0. The, the league eventually was called correctly to give us the, the title. But... The players would have wanted to conclude it on the pitch. And one of the reasons is when you look at, you know, Odson Edwards had 28 goals for the season. He was going to go, hit, go past the 30 goal barrier, which was a target for him. James Forrest was on target for his best ever season. Cal McGregor had already hit 13 goals. So they were all, you know, they're all chalking up new records. So there was a frustration for them. But, you know, Odson, again, I think whenever we spoke to any of the players, he was the guy that they certainly would, would vote for his play of the year. The fans did as well in the Daffabet play of the year award. We managed to catch up with him after he, he was uh, given the play of the year award and we'll hear now from uh, our Celtic player of the year. Odson, congratulations. You're the Daffabet Celtic player of the year. How pleased are you that the, the Celtic supporters have voted you as their player of the year? It's very good uh, for me because I work hard this year. So I'm very happy to be the player of the year. And uh, thanks to the fans for voting for me. This season, you know, so many of your teammates have, have played well. So for you to get the fans' votes, that must give you such confidence that, that you've done so well this season. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of players who deserve the player of the year. The player of the year. So I'm very happy about this and uh, I have a lot of confidence with this. 28 goals you scored this season. You would have certainly got well past 30 if, if the season had, had continued and you were certainly scoring almost every week. Yeah, I think it, it, um, the league don't stop. I can score the 30 goal, but now it's okay for our 28 goal, it's okay. I'm happy with this. And, and you were playing well alongside Lee Griffiths up front. Both of you scoring a lot of goals in, in 2020. How pleased were you with that partnership? Lee is a great player, so play with him. It's good for me, for the team. He scored a lot of goals. I score a lot of goals. He gives me assists. I give, I give him assists, so it's a good partnership. And obviously, we win the league nine in a row. Now looking forward to going for ten. Yes, for sure. Every season we want to win the the title. So this year is nine in a row, and I hope uh, next year is ten in a row. Is this the week for the for the club? And I suppose every player knows just how important it is. You hear the fans singing about it all the time, and how important it is that from day one that, that we're going for this ten. It's very important for for the club, for the fan, for for the team, for all of 
the Cedric fan. So um, we go back. Uh, we go back to work for for the the next season, and uh, I hope we win uh, this title for the ten in all. And you'll obviously. You, you said to me before we started the interview how tough it is to train on your own, so you'll just be looking forward to starting training with, with some of your teammates again. Yes, I train uh, alone during the, the lockdown. I work a lot. It's not easy, but I keep my fitness and uh, I look for um, for back to Lenoxton and back to training. And in terms of, of the season that we've just won nine, is there any highlights, particular highlights for you? I remember, obviously, that great goal you scored at Ibrook earlier in the season. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of uh, my, my best goals of the season in Appleton games. So I'm happy about this. And um, I go back work for, for score again against uh, Rangers. Yeah. It was a nice celebration you had in that game as well. Yeah. <laughs> The nice celebration. Yeah. Well, listen, congratulations again. You're the, the Daffa Bet Celtic Player of the Year. I, I think the, certainly a popular choice with with the supporters and, and we look forward to seeing you as we go for 10 in a row, Hudson. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. He's had a phenomenal season, you know, whether it's, you know, leading the line, the goals he scored, the assists that he's provided, the way that, you know, again, when the manager changed the system when we came back in January, how him and Lee Griffiths linked up in that potent partnership is just uh, a joy to watch. Yeah, and I've said this in commentary a few times, given the stature of, of Odson Edward, he's such a big figure and he uses that strength so well to hold up the ball, allow the overlap from if it's Lee Griffiths or if it's Ryan Christie sitting deeper or whoever. He doesn't look like he should be able to move the ball in the way he does. Given he's so big, you know, his close control is just impeccable at times, like he's got the ball on a string. One of the interesting things that I found when we interviewed Odson in the Celtic View, and it's in the, the Nine in the Row special, is that he admitted that he, naturally, if he's at 28 goals, you expect him to be, to be pushing for 30. But he'd said he'd set 30 um, as his minimum target. And he was obviously on course to do that. And a lot of the players, what I found interesting, would normally share their targets. Naturally, these are extraordinary circumstances. So he was willing to say, yeah, this is what he'd set. And he was, he was gutted. I mean, he said he was delighted with 28, but he's equally gutted not to push that as high as he would. Um, strikers tend to be keen on their stats. Lee Griffiths certainly is a striking counterpart. And Odson Edwards no different. So he'd have been looking to push for 30. No matter where you are in the pitch, whether you're the goalkeeper right through to the striker, to be deprived of that celebration with the fans, naturally, you always want the safety of everybody in the world. And it has to be the case that the league finished in the way it did. Um, but I do feel for the players because they look, particularly the players, I know you spoke to, to Hatem El Hamid um, very recently, Paul, and particularly for the players who are just in the door this season, uh, last season rather, for them not to have that that celebration with the fans, that does seem a shame. Yeah, I mean, I th- obviously, I think they all they all appreciate the circumstances, and sure. you, you know the fact that they're they're now getting back into some sort of routine, at least of going up to to Lennox Town every day. And it's in, I think it's interesting, you know, the fans have been singing about uh, going for ten for goodness knows how many years. The players, and I think the manager again had said, what's key for him and John Kennedy and the rest of the staff is to keep a lid on that, that actually the way that, the reason we've been so successful is we haven't got carried away. So 
when we were going for nine, we weren't thinking about ten. We were just basically going for game by game by game. And that's what they're going to have to, to do again this season, to just say, look, let's not get carried away with the hype. Because this is, you know, this is, as the manager says, it's a generational thing. Um, I mean, I was, just to, to put context, you're obviously a lot younger than me. I mean, I was couple of two or three months short on my eighth birthday when the last time we won nine in a row back in 1974 I don't really remember too much about the following season going for 10 to be honest I was I was too young but now I think you know I think certainly everybody of a certain age young ones will still just be in the moment but for the rest of us it's something really to to savour every minute of every game. Yeah and I, I think um, my dad was born in <clears throat> excuse me 1947 so he was about for Lisbon. He went to Milan. Him and I went to Seville in 2003. He remembers nine in a row in the 60s and 70s. And naturally, I was brought up with those stories. I was born in 1986 myself. And anyone born there or thereabouts will, will no doubt feel the same as myself. Nine in a row for all were brought up knowing that it happened you know, before our time. The 90s were a pretty barren spell for, for Celtic. And that nine was... was obviously tied to, to our neighbours across the road. And it was difficult to know that Celtic had this achievement. And, and for all, you know, my dad would never have let me forget that. Have I not seen it in the flesh? Um, when I was growing up, the internet didn't exist. That's how old I am. And, and it wasn't easy to pick up archive footage unless you're watching on video on VHS. Um, so, like you said uh, just a minute ago, when the Celtic fans have been singing about 10 for seasons, I think what started off as tongue-in-cheek at the start of last season became something which we're almost not expecting. That's not fair to the players, but it becomes possible uh, when you're competing for nine. And then when you win nine, of course, the next one, which is the next one coming, um, it's a lot of pressure. I think it's really good to hear. Um, I know when you interviewed Scott Brown very recently, he was saying that they consider every season a must-win. They, they have the pressure to win the league every single season. They know the fans expect it, and they expect it of themselves. If you look at how good Celtic have been over the last few seasons, the treble-treble, to win nine in a row, to have already won the League Cup, as we said, you know, in very good shape to have been going for a quadruple-treble. These players know how to win. These players don't like losing, and they have the right determination and the attitude to continue winning. They'll treat this season like any other season to win, and if they do that, I think as fans, we have to we have to trust them. I think it's as simple as that. And I trust them 100%. And, you know, time will tell how that goes. Um, but they'll treat it like another season. And if they continue the form which they've shown in recent seasons, then I'm hoping that we don't have anything to worry about. In this Celtic View special, uh, we, we look at each of the, the nine titles in the current run. We also look back at the original nine in a row. I'm actually gutted that I was born in 66, just a couple of months after the first of the original nine, so I've, I've not been quite alive for, the, for both nine rows, but more or less. But then in the more, more recent times, we've featured in the view each of the, the nine seasons, as you mentioned earlier on, Neil Lennon started it with the first three, then Ronnie Dyler came in. We've got an interview with Ronnie as well, talking about his time at Celtic, and then obviously in the context of the nine row. Then Brendan Rogers again came in with the invincible treble, the double treble, and then about two thirds of the, the treble treble season. Again, we've got an interview with Brendan talking about his time and again praising Neil Lennon and then obviously bringing it right up to date with the, the current season. So, and it's when you actually see it down and it's going to say black and white, but in, in full spectacular colour, you, you realise the, 
just how quickly it's gone, but the the kind of incredible achievement already that, that to have, have won it season after season when teams are on always wanting to beat you because you are the champions. I think that's it. And I think that when you look at it over the course of 10 years, as fans, it's interesting to look at, you know, starting 11 from, you know, the 2012-2013 season and go, oh, yeah, remember they played together or players like Virgil van Dijk is obviously, um, you know, to, to win the Champions League and things like that. Players that have come through um, at Celtic Park and have come and gone. And I think that that to me, when I look at players at a certain age or players that have long left the club and I think, wow, that, that feels like a, a lot longer than it was 10 years ago. But I think it also underscores just how important, like we said earlier, Scott Brown and James Forrest have been in that time. No matter how far back you go, they're on that team sheet. They're on, um, they've played in those big games. They've featured in different ways. Scott Brown's been the captain um, the entire time as well. And yeah, again, going back to growing up in the 90s, to be talking, I said this last season, to be talking about competing for nine, it blew my mind and to have won it and now to be having conversations about 10 in 2020, it's it's hard to put any words. Um, and I just want to get the season going. I want, whenever it's safe, to get everybody back into Celtic Park, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, and just really get that get that buzz back of it Celtic to just push to get for um, to get the season going and get. 10 in a row. Yeah, I mean, I'm struggling to even put a sentence together there talking about it. It just would be absolutely incredible. It's funny, like, you know, we've, we've spoken a, a few times in this podcast about Scott Brown, James Forrest. They've obviously been here for the whole nine. There's been players that have been here for, for quite a bit of the run. One of the players that we speak to in the Celtic View nine in a row special is Greg Taylor, who obviously it's his first league title. It's his first medal for Celtic because he was cup-tied for the League Cup final. And again, we'll just hear a wee bit now from, from a player who is clearly delighted to be a champion at Celtic. I know when, when we first got the, the title and you, you get the chance to get your hands on that trophy, which you obviously said was, was a heavy thing. But again, is that is it now sunk in? You're now a, a champion at Celtic? Yeah, exactly. Um as much as it was not in the circumstances I'd have liked to have lifted it, but just to do that for the first time was a real, real proud moment, to be fair. Um, and it was a, a hard season by all the lads um, and well-earned at the end of it, so no, it was a nice moment. Because it's funny, I always think you, you're in almost a unique position in that squad of, you know how good the guys are to play alongside, but you also know how good they are as opponents, having played against them. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm... Um, I was going to say in a fortunate position, but fortunate now that I'm playing with them is what I'd say. Um, yeah. Much easier that than playing against. But uh, I, I as I'm, it's strange that way. Um, but I, um, it benefited me knowing some of the lads before I went into the club, definitely. And I suppose as well, you you had so much experience already in Scottish football. It, it meant you kind of knew what you were letting yourself in for in terms of the, the kind of environment, even if it's a different challenge playing for Celtic. Yeah, exactly. Um, I knew, obviously, the size of the club, um, what it was like to play in front of that amount of fans, even if it had only a few times we'd done it at Celtic Park, so not to, but it's just a whole different ballgame going on in Celtic Strip and that shareholding fans, it um, makes all the difference. You mentioned before, again, how important the, the winter break was for you in Dubai, and then you really pushed on after that and tried to cement your place in the team. 
Has this been the case again in, in terms of the lockdown and also getting back into pre-season just for you, just to push on even further? Yeah, exactly. Um, certainly hope uh, there's more to come from myself. It was a good few months there when I got myself on the team, but it's only it's, it's, it's done now and it's hope, hoping to build on that. Um, so as you as touched on, I've uh, worked as hard as I could have over the lockdown, um, putting on strength into my legs, keeping fit, etc. So now I'm hoping to just uh, be ready to go as the season starts and um, play as many games as I can this season. It's funny, I think that's one of the things the manager said, that he's been pleased with the way everybody's reported back. Everybody's really, obviously, really worked hard and they're back in great condition. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I, and everyone knew that would be the case, but then you never actually know until you turn up. But no, everyone's um, put in the effort. You can see that. And um, the boys are ready to go. They've, uh, I think everyone would say the same. They've loved to just even having that wee bit of normality back and getting into training for that 70 minutes or whatever it is. And I suppose as well, you'll be looking forward to when we start to see the fixtures. We know that there's going to be Champions League qualifiers in, in August, but once they start announcing the, the league fixtures, then you know who you're going to be up against. Yeah, exactly. Um, seeing that got announced the other day, the way the format's changed a wee bit, I think. And um, I, once the league fixtures uh, get um, announced, you, get, you straight away check. And um, I think hopefully 1st August is the first league game and uh, can't come quick enough. I suppose that that pressure, that's part of why you want to be a professional footballer, you want to play at the highest level and this season for Celtic it's going to be absolutely massive. Aye, exactly. Um, it's going to be it's a massive uh, season in terms of history of the club um, but it's one we all look forward to. It's, um, we're all at the place we want to be and that's uh, in the middle of it and uh, that's exactly what uh, we'll be doing is um, fighting as hard as we can to create that wee bit of history. And as you said right at the very start, just being back at Lennox Town on those pitches, getting a, a feel for the ball, that's what you really want as a player, isn't it? Aye, exactly. No, the first few days we've done a few wee dribble tracks, etc. And a few of the boys, I mean, certainly we've not, you've not really had the chance to even play with a ball. Um, there's been the odd going down in the park and trying to work when you could, but um, you, we were limited to only that exercise quite a lot in lockdown. So no, there was a few rusty touches, definitely, in that dribble track. But um, slowly but surely, you can see the standards been pretty high and the boys are right at it. Are you not practising your dribbling skills with your dog then? <laughs> no, to be fair, she's useless. She just gets in the way. <laughs> Well, listen, it's, uh, it's been really good talking to you, Greg. Uh, you are obviously the, the 5K lockdown champion of Celtic. Nobody can take that title away from you. No, hopefully there's no lockdown anymore. No, no more 5Ks, certainly. I'm uh, enjoying just doing the running with the ball. That's uh, enough for me. So I'll stick that trophy in a mantelpiece and leave it there. You know, it's funny when he, Greg Taylor, was talking, Joe, when he was... I think he found it harder to watch the League Cup final because he couldn't he couldn't play a part and couldn't help his teammates. But again, when you come to Celtic, you you want to you're, you're here to win things, and he's obviously you know a player who he knows all about Scottish football. He's played against these guys, and again, he's he spoke about that the fact that you know he knows how good Scott Brown and James Forrest and Callum McGregor and Ryan Christie and all these guys are because he was their opponent before. Now he's a teammate. I think he appreciates it even more and he's certainly delighted when we were declared champions. Yeah, he seemed like he was completely over the moon and deservedly so. Uh, when you say about, uh, interesting when you say about having played against these players, there was, uh, I think it was uh, your footage or an image on, on Instagram to mark a year since the game which Scott Brown won the league at Rugby Park as the fans 
Um, we're chatting when he scored his last minute goal in March last year, I want to say. And the, the image is a kind of wide shot and it's got Scott Brown celebrating that last minute goal to win one now. And in the foreground was Greg Taylor and he was chinning Scott Brown on Instagram saying, could you not have chosen another photo where he wasn't in it? But when I think about Greg Taylor, particularly since the turn of the year and the run he's had in the Celtic starting 11 and how enthusiastic he is, how you know delighted he seemed when Celtic were... were given the, the award the, the ninth league title. And if he ever goes back to that moment in his head and you know sees how passionate the Celtic fan base are, what that meet that win meant to Celtic and um to to have for him to have watched that and seen Celtic win in such a dramatic win to now be part of the celebrations here. Yeah, he must really savour his time here and he certainly seems that. Another thing which we get is a little insight when we're up at Lennox Town or off Traveling with the team in European games is you get to see the players interacting as, as teammates, not just or as friends, rather not just as teammates. And Greg Taylor seems very popular amongst the the group as well. Someone who seems like he's really easy to get on with, um, which is nice to see him have him come straight in. You know, he's he's worked hard on the other side of the year to get his his chance in the starting eleven. He's worked hard to keep that, and he's also working well with the team behind the scenes as well. I like to see that. I mean, in terms of the interviews that we've got in the this Celtic View nine in a row special, obviously we've mentioned the manager, we've spoken to Scott Brown, James Forrest, Greg Taylor, Olivier and Cham, Odson Edward, our young player of the year, Jeremy Frimpong, Ryan Christie, and also Callum McGregor. And for me, one one of my proudest moments during the lockdown was uh, when we were doing one of these features on the website and it was they played at paradise and one of the days we featured so we're featuring basically great players who played here and, and they obviously end up saying complimentary things about Celtic Park and one of them was Xavi who's just a, an absolute world-class player and, and within the, the feature that I'd written I described him as the Catalan Callum McGregor which I was, <laughs> I was particularly pleased with I think Callum McGregor is a top, top midfielder that can stand shoulder to shoulder with anyone in that heart of the midfield. And I think he's just turned 27. He's just going to continue to get better. I just, I love the way he plays football. I think he's just matured into a really great midfielder. I think he complements Scott Brown in terms of how that balance in the park so brilliantly. I think he's just a perfect example on the James Forrest of what our academy does. And it's no surprise that he's now taken on that role of, of vice captain because I think he's just, he, he, he has that about him that I think he'll just lead by example. It's incredible to think that Cal McGregor's best years might still be ahead of him, isn't it? Given that he has only turned 27. He's been playing like an old head, like someone well into their 30s for the last three seasons over the course of, um, certainly from the double treble season when he really came into his own. Uh, under Brendan Rodgers, and he just kept that going. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't praise him enough. I know that you've spoken before, Paul, about Martin Miller. I mean, he said when he's no longer with the club, retired his his involvement in the the youth setup at Celtic. But he would always use Cal McGregor as the example. You know, if they were showing you footage, and that whenever whenever Celtic had possession, he was always the spare man, and his movement. And the stuff he does off the ball is something which has been praised, but I think that he does so much stuff over the course of 90 minutes that goes unnoticed. Um, covering in positions, slotting back, pushing forward if Scott Brown's sitting, um, maybe helping out Ryan Christie, looking for the wide ball. Him and Greg Taylor have looked 
brilliant at times. The, the five nothing game against Hearts back in February, the, those two players linked up superbly well on the inside left and on the, the left channel when Taylor was busting forward. He brings so much to the game. The season before last in the treble treble campaign when Scott Brown was out injured, Cal McGregor just slotted into that that anchor and midfielder role as if he'd been doing it his entire career. Um, I think that if whenever the time comes for, for Scott Brown to hang up his boots, Cal McGregor is surely the man to take on the captaincy. Uh, I don't see... He already plays that style of, of play so well. Um, and you're seeing a lot more of his game where he's talking a lot more you know, to Scott Brown, to everybody around him. And with every year that he that he ages into the Celtic team, he just looks even better. And to think that his best years might still be ahead of him, that just it's incredible given how good he is already. We spoke to Callum McGregor just after his first few days up at Lennox Town training, and here is what he told the Celtic View. How's it been being back at the training ground? Yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, you know, great to get back in, um, back training. You know, still kind of early days as well. Um, in terms of like still being able, like being able to train on your own and and uh, like you can see the guys and that. But you know, predominantly you're you're doing your, your sessions on your own and and, and in your own kind of um, lane, as it were. So it's just good to to get back and you know get a bit of um, structure back and, and and just good to be back on the pitch. And good, obviously, I spoke to you before and. You had the ball out in the back garden, but good to get actually on the pitch. Is it Lennox time with the ball? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know it's it's not quite lined up there yet. Um, so that's no, good to it's good to get back on the grass and and uh, and see the white lines and you know get 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 back on the football pitch. So um, that's been great. It's been great the last couple of days, and you know it just it just seems to lift your mood straight away when you know you're getting up to to go to training. So um, it's it's definitely been well well received. And the, some of the footage we saw from the first training session yesterday, the ground staff have got Lennox down looking absolutely perfect at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, obviously, we've had some some great weather as well, which which helps the pitches. Um, but the guys have have obviously been working tirelessly to to get the the pitches in in perfect condition. And you know that's that's the great thing about going back with pre season. Yeah, you go back in, the pitches are, are like bowling greens. Um, the, the the lines are nice and fresh and. You know, you just get that anticipation for the for the season to kick off. So it's uh, it's a nice feeling. It's um, you know, it certainly gets the fire going in your belly. I mentioned when I was speaking to Scott Brown yesterday about out with any kind of long term injuries. This is the longest any of you guys have been without football. When I think of you, 2018-19, you played more minutes than any other player in world football. This season, you played 50 games, including all of our Premiership games. So for you to have like about three months off, that must have been. What's been driving you up the wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you're, you're just so used to being in that routine where, you know, you've got, you've got games, um, you know, every three, four days for a, a large period of the season. And then, you know, when you get to that kind of April to, to the end of May, then it goes to like one game a week. So you, you feel at that point you're, you're getting a rest. Um, but to have, like like you said, maybe 10 or 11 weeks off, it's been, um, it's, it's not been great. It's, it's nice to have the downtime, but you know, ultimately, you, you want to be on the pitch and playing and, and, and playing football and doing what you love. And obviously, once you're back in at Lennox Town, the, the fitness staff will just be assessing you know, the fitness that you've kept up because obviously they've been keeping you going, giving you programmes throughout the, the lockdown. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's probably a good chance for, for the guys to see where 
everyone's at in, in terms of, like you said, fitness and, and conditioning. So, um, to be fair, I, I think all the lads have, have came back in, in good nick and the coaches seem to be happy with, with everyone um, in, in terms of their conditioning work. So, boys have been working really hard and, and obviously the staff as well putting the, the programmes together. Um, so, it looks like everyone's just been professional and, and did their stuff and, you know, everyone's just delighted to be back. And when you, when you came back yesterday... Did you recognise Scott Brown with uh, a full head of hair? <laughs> it's, uh, he certainly looks 10 years younger with the, this, this sort of side mohawk, doesn't he? But um, I know everyone's the same. I'm the same. Uh, James is the same as well. We've, we've adopted these uh, sort of grown-out look barnets. So <laughs> we're, we're, trying to, we're, trying to, uh, we're trying to enjoy them as they last. But hopefully once the, the hairdresser's open, we can get back to normal. I think everybody in the country, bar me, is saying that. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you're, you're back just training yourself just now, and then hopefully, as the kind of restrictions are lifted, that will start to ease. But already, I'm guessing the players, the focus will just be when that season kicks off, and you know, it's a big, big season for us. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, everyone's delighted to be back in. Um, as I said, it's, it's small steps at the minute, but. Um, just good to be back on the grass and, and like you said it's, it's going to be an extended sort of pre-season so you know you've got even more time to, to plan and, and get your body right and and um, and then when the games come around then you know you'll have a good sort of maybe 10 11 week um, pre-season under your belt by the time the games actually start so like you said everyone will be in, will be in good condition and you know just desperate for the games to start and, and like you said that uh, a monstrous year for the club and, and you know I'm sure all the players are, are absolutely buzzing and can't wait to get started yeah although I mean again like Scott Brown was saying to us yesterday you guys have always just take, taken it one game at a time and I know it seems a bit cliched but it's an approach that's really worked for us absolutely yeah um, you know we, we, we're in that mindset of working that you know the next game is is always the most important and you know you have to prepare properly regardless of the opponent, regardless of the, the competition. And, and if you prepare properly and, and turn up on the day and put in a good performance, then, you know, nine times out of ten, you'll, you'll win the game. And, and that's been our, our motto, you know, right the way through um, these last few years. So we want to continue that. We want to continue the hunger. Um, and, and the more that you win, it just, you know, fuels you for more success and you want to keep delivering trophies. So, again, another big season for the club, but the message will stay the same. You know, the next game is the most important. The next training day is an opportunity to get better and, and improve as a player and, and, and as a squad together. So, you know, that, that message will stay very much the same. And I suppose, you know, the first step is getting back training. But then as, as we start to know what's going to happen with, with uh, Champions League qualifiers and then when the league fixtures come out, that'll just make it more a sense that football is coming back. Yeah, exactly. I think, that, yeah, you're, you're right. Once you start to get dates for, you know, seasons and, and as you said, Champions League qualifiers, then, you know, that's what will start to heat up in, in terms of getting a little bit closer. So, you know, we're, we're obviously buzzing to, to get back in, back on the grass. And, and like you say, hopefully, you know, in the, in the next sort of few weeks and months, then we'll, we'll see that progression. Now, obviously, your, your first three days back, Thursday, Friday, Saturday training, but that's quite decent the manager to give you Sunday off since it is your birthday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, it's, it's fell well. Um, with obviously like with the with the schedule, so normally I'm, I'm pretty much off um for the off season on my birthday, so um it's kind of felt quite nice that I'm I'm off this time as well. But 
Um, you know, I think that was just more luck than judgment right enough. I mean, you'll be 27 on Sundays, aren't you? You're one of the veterans now of the team. That's right, I know. <laughs> well, speaking about that today, actually, it's uh, James A turning 29, I think, next week, and uh, in a few weeks' time, and me turning 27. It wasn't so long ago that, that me and him were the younger guys in the, in the squad, so um, it just shows you that, you know, time and, and your career just flies so quickly, and you need to enjoy, you know, every minute of it, which, which I'm sure we've done. I mean, it's incredible as well, just the age you are, you you're not that far off 300 appearances from Celtic. I think 275 you're on. You're one goal short of 50 goals. And then when you add in all the, the trophies you've won, I mean, so far, I mean, it's been an incredible success. But again, you know, you're just about to, to hit what will be an important season and add to that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I feel like I've progressed well in my in my career from my, my early days into, into where I am now. And, and as you said, to, to be sitting here with a, a lot of trophies and, you know, like you said, nearly 300 games um, for Celtic. You know, when you, you're a young kid and you, you dream of coming through the academy and, and making a first-team appearance and to, to be so lucky and fortunate to go on and make nearly 300 appearances and, and hopefully many more then, um, you know, I thank myself um, very, very lucky and, you know, something that I, I cherish. I mean, what I, th- I think is, is very encouraging for the season ahead is we have that mixture of youth and experience and you know going for the 10 Callum McGregor I spoke to him just a couple of days before his 27th birthday and he was saying you know he's 27 James Forrest is about to turn 29 in July it wasn't too long ago they were the the youngsters in the squad but you think of the experience they've now gathered I mean Callum McGregor's just 25 games short of 300 for Celtic and that when you look at the kind of experience within the squad going for such an important title, that can be the, all the difference, you know, what makes the difference between winning and not winning a title. Yeah, and then James Forrest, the same. I think he's coming on for 400 and he's not even, I mean, he'll, by the time the season starts, he'll be 29 um, with 10 nearly going out ten and a half years experience at Celtic or something in the senior side. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I mean we we spoke at the start of the, the, the top of the programme about Scott Brown and James Forrest. Cal McGregor hasn't been there for all nine, but you know, making his debut back in twenty fourteen, getting into to Ronnie Dyler's team and really pushing on under Brendan Rogers and he's been absolutely invaluable to Celtic since Neil Lennon's come back in. He is, uh, he, again, might not have been there for the nine, but he is absolutely crucial to that dressing room as well. Very talkative. All the players seem to really enjoy him. The only criticism I could have him at the moment is his haircut, but it's nice to know that he's been appreciating um, you know, the, the social distancing rules at the moment. I say that as a bald man, of course, <laughs> being very, very jealous. It's been quite, quite fun to watch what the players have been up to in that front. But no, absolutely crucial to this team. Uh, in a different season, his goal against Motherwell, which I know was a goal of the season contender, could easily have won it. That was a brilliant move. Finished by um, Calum Gary. The ball sat well for him, as you will admit himself, but it was a spectacular finish. And to have that in your locker, I know you spoke about Scott Brown winning goal of the season last year. And Scott Brown can you know, ping a ball, but Callum McGregor um, is just as capable of that way he does that, you know, he'll have the ball on the edge of the box and perhaps drag it across the keeper into the corner. He can put it in the top bin. He's easy enough to pass it on to someone else. He's the complete player. He can, you know, we've seen him even move back into defence when called upon as well. One of those players that epitomises Celtic in terms of coming through 
Youth Academy, he knows what it's about, he's got that grit, that determination. And of course, he's a winner. And how many trophies has he won? And he's only just turned 27. Uh, and long may that continue at Celtic and hopefully another league title next season. Absolutely. And the Celtic View will be reporting on every kick of every game, as we always do since 1965. So the Celtic View nine in a row special, 100 page special is out from the 22nd of June. And as I say, it features loads of interviews with the guys who won nine in a row, of course, our manager. Uh, we highlight, we just let you know how we got on against each of the teams, not only just last season, but there's also some statistical features where it gives a record for how we've done in each of the, throughout the whole nine in a row seasons against every team that we've played. Uh, again, we look back at our original nine in a row under the legendary Jock Steen. So there's plenty to keep you entertained from a Celtic point of view until we get the new season underway. Joe, we, you know, in terms of the new season, that will start at the first weekend of August. We've also been told in terms of the Champions League qualifiers, it's a, a change of format. So for the first three qualifying rounds, it's a single leg tie It'll be the luck of the draw whether you're home and away and it'll only be the playoff round that will be a home and away leg tie as, as traditionally the case. So it's interesting, tough potentially because you could get you know some really tough away games and it's just a, a winner takes all. Yeah, the, the travelling aspect or potential travelling aspect there will certainly be a challenge. It's good to see the changes to f the format with the view of kind of minimalising the disruption of the tournament the longer it goes on for sure. Um, until I mean, assuming that the earlier games are, are to be behind closed doors, there's an argument to be made that the home advantage um, is nullified. Um, of course, you've, you've not got you've not got the crowd behind you. Um, you are familiar with the pitch and obviously the, the fact that you're playing in your home city. Just a look at the draw, really. Um, the playoffs been a more familiar first leg, second leg routine, which Celtic are familiar with, but. Ultimately, I think I think the format will excite the players. I think that being able to get back to, to European football, um, albeit in a, in a slightly different capacity than they've been used to in previous seasons, but with the view of you know these measures are being taken to get the fans back in as soon as possible. And I know that every single player, particularly given the fact that they couldn't celebrate with the fans with a brilliant nine-zero achievement, will be absolutely buzzing, absolutely desperate to to be playing in front of. Fans. as soon as it's safe to do so but as soon as possible yeah yeah and uh, UEFA president is obviously looking in terms of the format to try and get fans back uh, sooner rather than later which is obviously encouraging for everyone we have come to the end of this Celtic View podcast in association with Eden Mill and when the season returns we'll be uh, podcasting every week and again just trying to keep you up to date with what's happening at Celtic what's happening in the Celtic View and hopefully reporting as we go for 10 in a row which again every time you say it, it just sounds it does sound incredible actually that we are in that position that we, we can say that we're, we're going for it it's absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant and that's the thing like everyone in that dressing will be pushing to bring another title home to celtic as it stands you know with, with several months ahead to be competing for it is absolutely incredible and i've got every faith that the players the the coaching staff management everybody at the club the fans We'll do everything we can to get us over the line for that holy grail historic achievement. It's very, very exciting. Absolutely. Well, we're going to finish with a goal. It's a goal from 
one of uh, our victories in our nine in a row campaign. It's from our player of the year. It's one of the 28 goals he scored. I'm sure you can guess which one it is. It was that opener in the 2-0 Glasgow Derby victory at Ibrox Odson Edward. Again, a clinical finish. So hail, hail, keep safe, and we'll hopefully see you soon. Wilson starts to move forward up through the half. Justin goes to close him down. He plays it forward, only succeeds in finding Mikey Johnson. He drives forward again. Johnson threads it through towards Odson Edward. He stayed on side, a chance for the Frenchman. He's put it into the back of the net, Early and goal. Celtic, with 31 minutes on the clock, have a goal! Watson Edward has scored for the champions! Fantastic play, you know, win the ball back, a slight pass on the right for Rangers, Mikey Johnson driving in. Threads the pass through, kills your light from Edward. Well, Mikey Johnson, he still had a lot to do, Watson Edward stayed. Onside, well, when he went in the box, you're just thinking this is in the back of the night. He's so cool. He's another big game player and he's yeah. given Celtic a big yeah. game goal. I, I seen him bearing down on McGregor there. I thought, is he taking it too close to him? But as I said, cool as you like. Underneath McGregor, 1 0 Celtic. First blood goes to the champions, Neil Lennon. Delighted the Celtic players. Well, they have certainly started this game well and they have got the rewards. Mikey Johnson has been very impressive on the left hand side. He, Got that ball, a poor pass from Goldson. He surged forward, he slotted it into the channel, and there was Odson Edwards, cool as you like, and rolled it under Alan McGregor. 32 minutes on the clock now, and Celtic lead here at Ibrox by a goal to nil.